It's Twin Bills, the Red Sox podcast from the sports department of the Providence Journal, featuring Red Sox beat writer Bill Koch, along with sports editor Bill Corey. Now, Twin Bills. Hello and welcome to this week's Twin Bills Red Sox podcast. This is Bill Corey, sports editor of the Providence Journal. With me is Bill Koch, the Red Sox beat writer. And Bill, as I look out the window here in Providence, uh, the weather kind of matches the mood today after a disappointing uh, Stanley Cup final last night. Yeah, rainy and and cold here in downtown Providence. Uh, Raining up at Fenway Park as well. Sky's supposed to clear a little bit later. The Red Sox expect to get the game in tonight. Uh, This is the the only time that Texas will be here this season. Uh, so it stands to reason that, that they're going to wait if they need to. Um, I would expect there to be a game played tonight, even if it starts in the rain. Uh, and really, it's one that the Red Sox need to win uh, to split the series with the Rangers and, and sort of keep pace here in the wild card race. That's sort of where we are here. Uh, and we will get to all things baseball as we usually do here in a few minutes. But why don't we uh, start off at the top here uh, with the shocking news that came out of the Dominican Republic in the last few days. And that was on Sunday night. Uh, Retired Red Sox slugger um, David Ortiz was shot. Uh, Bullet went through the back, came through the abdomen, came through his abdomen, and um, did some damage. Uh, Fortunately, it wasn't fatal. Uh, He was rushed to the hospital down in uh, Santo Domingo and uh, had emergency surgery. A couple of days later, he was uh, taken to Mass General, where he is continuing his recovery. Boy, this was a uh, a sad, tragic, and stunning story when we first got wind of it and we started seeing things on Twitter Sunday night. The nature of our business, Bill, as you know, is to generally not be surprised by anything, uh, because just when you think that something can't happen, it does. Uh, But in this case... You'd be hard-pressed to, to say that you weren't surprised to hear this sort of news. Uh, of course. David Ortiz, a national icon in the Dominican Republic. Uh, as Eddie Romero said earlier this week, the assistant general manager for the Red Sox, executive vice president of the Red Sox, uh, David Ortiz is the guy in the Dominican. Hmm. More famous than any president, more famous than any celebrity, entertainer, uh, whatever public figure you'd like to compare David Ortiz is going to be more famous, more impactful, more legendary in the Dominican. His only rival uh, in that way, as Eddie said, is probably Pedro Martinez, his former Red Sox teammate. Um, So to hear that he was a victim of such a shocking act of violence uh, in public out at a a popular bar in Santo Domingo... um, it was just stunning, and I know you know. For me, I was watching the Bruins game, um, had my laptop on my lap, saw a couple reports on Twitter, um, then saw something from Marley Rivera, who works for ESPN, who has done a great job on this story, has been on top of it from the beginning. Uh, and when Marley started tweeting about it, I started to take it very seriously. Yeah, it became real. It sure. became real because I know that <clears throat> she's very well connected there, and you know, knew a couple journalists there who who were on the scene. Uh, and as the night went on, it, it just got progressively worse and worse. It, it was surreal, I think, is a word that we use maybe too often, but I certainly think it applies here. You know, uh, when the when things like this first happen, there's lots of uh, unsubstantiated reports that go flying around. 
Um, and there was one Twitter report. Um, uh, I happened to be working that night and uh, just watching the, the Twitter feed. And there was one Twitter report. I want to say it came out of somewhere in New York. And I, I can't remember if it was a radio station or just a blogger or some, somewhere. Somebody blogged that, that he had passed away. And I said, oh, my oh, God. Really? I didn't yeah. see that. It was just one, oh one tweet. Or, yeah, he didn't blog it. He tweeted it. And I thought, oh, my gosh. You know, this this can't be real. And fortunately, there were no other tweets that would that back that up. Uh, and then, obviously, we, we learned very soon after that that was not the case. But uh, it was definitely a scary and very serious situation. And now... Uh, what makes it even more uh, complicated and intriguing is, you know, the reports of the last few days where, you know, we're seeing that people were hired to to kill him, um, you know, and six people have been arrested down in uh, down in the Dominican. Uh, we still don't really know what the motive behind it is. Uh, there's been lots of crazy theories. I mean, well, who knows? Maybe they're not crazy, but there's certainly been lots of theories out there as to what led to this kind of shooting. But um, uh, it was it was uh, sort of one of those things that was hard to get your, your head around because you weren't quite sure the nature of the whole incident. You're certainly um, grateful that uh, he escaped uh, real serious, you know, kind of catastrophic injury. And certainly, I think props to the Red Sox for acting the way they the way they did. Um, you know, obviously Ortiz has been retired now for a couple of years, but um, you know he's still very much part of the Red Sox family, and they you know they uh, were on it right away. They they um, offered whatever support they could. They sent a ambulance plane, so to speak, down to uh, down to uh, the Dominican and. Uh, got him and he's down and he's back now in uh, at Mass General so um you know kudos to the Red Sox for doing the right thing yeah uh, you know he still is employed by the club uh, his special assistant to John Henry um I think the way I termed it was he's sort of an ambassadorial face uh mm. you know you you see David Ortiz in that larger than life personality that he always had right. uh, you know, I thought David Price described him very well actually when he said that you know David is the type of guy who might not know your first name but after about five minutes you feel like you've been best friends with him hmm. for most of your life yeah. uh, he just has that way of embracing people of treating people that was the common refrain from the Red Sox on Monday the way that he treats people individually uh, the way that he treats everyone equally um, you know just a, a very sunny disposition you know, most of the time um, you know that big voice from this big man uh, just fills up the room and to see this happen to him um, I'm sure you you might have seen the video that leaked out on Twitter mm -hmm. the surveillance video um, you know that this was termed a robbery early on and, and obviously has changed and debunked right? into something else um, just shocking to see that happen. Uh, the outpouring from whether it was Boston sports or throughout the major leagues was instant. Uh, you know, players taking to Twitter, uh, the mayor, Marty Walsh taking to Twitter, Barack Obama yeah. uh, sending a Twitter message. Uh, David Ortiz was visited by uh, Leonel Fernandez, who served three terms as the president of the Dominican Republic. So you really get a, an idea very quickly of, you know, what a, a huge figure he is. And you know, for the Red Sox to, to act the way they had, I would suggest that 
yeah, that's what they're supposed to be doing, mm. uh, taking care of one of their own. Um, you know, he received excellent medical care in the Dominican. Um, the initial surgery saved his life, and, and the work of the first responders on scene saved his life. Uh, he's been transported here mainly because uh, the Red Sox medical director, doc, uh, Dr. Larry Ronan, has 20 years of medical records for Ortiz. Sure. You know, he was their player yeah. um, you know, for 12 years and, and has worked for them since his retirement. Uh, you know, so they know his medical history probably better than anybody else. Um, you know, To have him come to Mass General, it's a place where they might be able to deal with complications a little better. They have more blood on supply. They could deal with an infection um, you know, maybe more quickly uh, in terms of having antibiotics uh, on, uh, on scene. Um, you know, but he's received excellent medical care from the start, and, and really, um, he has a chance to make a full recovery in, in large part because of the care that he has received. Uh, he's already up and walking around and, and alert uh, in the ICU at Mass General, and uh, you know, Alex Cora said yesterday that he's hoping to visit him uh, before the Sox go on the road. So just... You know, you, you continue to hope that he makes progress, and uh, you know we continue to try to deal with what exactly happened here. Yeah, um, you know, uh, just a, a note on on the on the medical care. You know, Boston has some of the best doctors and hospitals in the entire world, and it, and you know, I think it makes sense that if you have some history and some access to Boston medical care, you're going to take it. So I think it was a, a smart move. Not that there was, not that they didn't know what they were doing in the Dominican Republic. Obviously, um, reports were that uh, what they did down there was the right thing and saved his life, you know. No question. Uh, but, you know, we all live in New England. We all know that Boston is fantastic when it comes to uh, medical expertise. Um, so it, it makes all the sense in the world, especially for somebody with, with the history that, that Ortiz has, to come back to Boston. Um, and I, I also took note, Bill, of how big this story was nationally. You know, the New York Times was all over it. The Washington Post was all over it. Uh, it was on the, the, uh, the national nightly news. Um, you know, obviously it was a stunning story and, and in some ways a sensational story. But I think there's, uh, there's a genuine feeling out there from people, uh, you know, even if you were not a Red Sox fan and, you know, Lord knows with the success of the Red Sox and the, the recent success of a lot of the Boston teams, there are a lot of anti-Boston fans outside of uh, outside of New England. But I think when it comes to somebody like David Ortiz, it's hard not to root and not to like this guy. I mean, he was, as you said, he has that that broad smile that 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 um, has been infectious and, and just, you know, thought of as the, this fun-loving guy and really just, just an amazing ball player. I mean, you know, when things like this happen, you kind of go back and take a look at some of the numbers. I mean, his last year in the league, you would take that any day for a current player. It wasn't like he, you know, he went out with a whimper. He went out as David Ortiz, as Big Poppy. What a legend. Uh, you know, you look at what he did on the field, and I think most importantly, what he did in October, in the postseason, when it counts the most. Absolutely clutch. Uh, you know, when the casual fan is watching baseball, um, you know, when the World Series is on in, in bars and in restaurants throughout the country, you saw this guy in 2004 and 2007 and 2013 mm -hmm. delivering the Red Sox to not only breaking the curse, but three championships. Uh, it was a World Series MVP in 2013. He flattened the Cardinals pretty much all by himself yeah. in that series. Yeah. Hit 688, had an 1,100 OPS. Uh, I think he had 11 hits in six games. It makes you wonder why St. Louis pitched to him at all. Right. Uh, because that lineup, 
struggled throughout the ALCS against Detroit. Uh, and then he just destroyed St. Louis all by himself. Um, I go back to, to 2004 when the Red Sox broke the curse and you know, came back against the Yankees in the ALCS. Uh, you know, arguably the greatest story in the history of Boston sports. Oh, sure. Um, you know, beating the Yankees and, and then obviously sweeping St. Louis in the World Series. You look at that group of players the personalities that they had, whether it was Kevin Millar or Pedro Martinez or Manny Ramirez or David Ortiz, the idiots, as Johnny Davin uh, dubbed them, yeah. uh, so colorful, um, it seemed like they, they weren't polished. They weren't corporate. They seemed very authentic. Mm-hmm. I, I think that made them relatable to people. It made them connect with people, whether they were Red Sox fans or casual fans. Absolutely, yeah. And Ortiz was one of the ringleaders of, of that group. Um, you know, just think about the postseason. You know, the postseason hits that he had, home runs that he had, key moments that he had. Um, you know, just phenomenal for him to do what he did. Uh, you know, had walk off RBI in games four and five of the ALCS against the Yankees. For me, the biggest swing that he ever took in the playoffs was in the first inning of Game Seven. After Johnny Damon had been thrown out at the plate, right. you know, as a Red Sox fan all my life and you all your life, mm-hmm. thinking, "Oh, here we go again." Right. You know, this this is what's going to happen now. Johnny Damon's going to get thrown out at the plate. They're going to squander a chance early, and Ortiz hits a two run homer right. on the, on I think it was the first pitch from Kevin Brown. It was very early. It, might, it probably was. It was very early in the count. Yeah. You know, stabilizes your mm-hmm. nerves at that point. Mm-hmm. Makes you believe again. Um, you know, just a simple act of, of him going out there with a bat coming to the plate, being able to unite so many different people throughout the region in New England, um, that power that he had. I, I just, I don't think that you can underestimate the imagery there and, and the way that he's able to connect, you know, sort of to your insides there and your conscious. You know, I think the other thing with, with Ortiz, too, um, that really connected him to Boston and New England was, uh, obviously, first of all, he was a fantastic player, clutch hitter. Um, and you're right, he was part of that unvarnished, very likable 2004 group right. that, that, that uh, broke the curse and, and uh, beat the Yankees and then won the World Series and all. But obviously, after the Boston Marathon bombings, yes. uh, you know, when you, you could tell he was speaking from the heart and he went out there in front of uh, a packed house at Fenway Park and said what he said. Um, and, you know, at that moment, I think people... Uh, probably looked at him as more than just a ball player. He was somebody speaking for them, speaking for the city, for the region, saying, you're not going to do this to us, you know? He was one of us right? at that point. He wasn't just a guy who played for the Red Sox, who was from a different country, Um, you know, someone who, who, you know, traveled the world in the offseason and and didn't necessarily stay here. Um, He was one of us at at that point. And you're right, he he was such a fabric of the community by then. that he could speak for us in that way. He mm-hmm. felt that pain. Sure. He felt that outrage uh, after that cowardly act at the marathon in yeah. 2015. And he had the cachet to speak for us, too, because he represented what you wanted the Red Sox to represent. Big, strong, powerful, clutch, you know, uh, 
good natured you know that's that's what you wanted that's what you liked in a ball player and to have that guy come out and say you're not going to do this to us it was it was fantastic it would lifted everybody's spirits and i think it was a healing moment that you know those of us who either were there or watched it on tv or listened to it in the radio or read about it you know we will always identify david ortiz with that moment you know and just think about the way that that made you feel um yeah and you don't even really know David Ortiz, no, you no. know, haven't interacted with him, you know, more than once when he was uh, our celebrity host for the Allstate Banquet. Just I think a couple of years in, ago, in 2017, yeah. Yeah. Two, almost two years to the day. Yeah. Um, you know, have only interacted with him personally at, at that time, really, for a lot of us. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know Brian McPherson and, and Tim Britton, who were our Red Sox writers previously, mm. knew him a lot better. I assume Kevin McNamara has been around him a lot more. Um, you know, but in that case. For, for him to just be so relatable and to, to connect with us in that way, you can only imagine how his teammates felt the other night. And you saw Pedro Martinez on MLB Network uh, breaking down in tears, talking about yeah. you know how disappointed he was that this could happen to David Ortiz in a country that he's given so much back to. Sure. Uh, you know, Jason Veritek in the Red Sox clubhouse, uh, as I wrote, a place where... Cheerful. Jason Veritek should be comfortable. Yeah. It's where he spent half his life, uh, you know, breaking up and, and saying, I didn't sleep very much last night. And his hands are shaking and his voice is shaky. And, you know, you can imagine what those men felt, how much they've been through with him, the championships and the road trips and, you know, the family gatherings and, and you know, watching their kids grow up together and whatever else it might have been. Um, it goes well beyond baseball. Right. And, and I think that's why. You know, obviously what David Ortiz did on the field brought him to prominence in Boston, but his presence here goes beyond the game. It transcends the game, and I, I think that's why a night like Sunday and the first couple days of this week have been so difficult for people around the area. Well, um, the good news is that it, it looks like... Um you know, David Ortiz will make a full recovery. It, you know, may take a little while here, but I'm certainly looking forward to the day, and I'm sure you are, when he's going to walk back out on on the field at Fenway yes. and be greeted by the fans. No question. Uh, and you know, um, I think that'll be a really special moment. Um, and hopefully, that that will happen sooner than later. Um, you know, every day seems in, uh, we were getting encouraging sort of news from his wife Tiffany, who's saying he's sitting up, he's walking around, he's. Uh, you know he's he's uh, improving. So uh, who knows if that's a matter of weeks or months? But I I really hope that uh, Ortiz will be able to come back to Fenway this season and and uh, feel the love of the crowd. Sure. Uh, so um, speaking of Fenway, I guess we should shift here and actually talk about the team that plays there. Uh, that's the Red Sox, and uh, Ortiz unfortunately does not play for them anymore. The boy could they, could they use him these days? We we could say that we're going to talk about less important things now. <laughs> right, right, sure. exactly. Yeah, this is the we're going to talk about the toy department now, right? Right, the games. That's right, uh, that's right. Uh, but speaking of the games, I guess I guess the Red Sox are not really in the divisional race anymore. And and I was so hopeful last week when we did this because they came out of New York uh, not ten and a half back, only six and a half back. Mm-hmm. They went to Kansas City and swept. Since then, it's been kind of a rocky road, and as I looked the standings this morning, you know, I mean, it's it's seven and a half games. It's not impossible, but you know, you're you're kind of running out of time here. And boy, I got to tell you, the bullpen as of late has not instilled a lot of confidence. Well, you you want to look around at your closest competition right now. That's not the Yankees in the race. Uh, it's the Rangers and yeah. everyone else in the wild card, right. and you're trailing them. 
Um, you know, you're, you're looking at, at New York and Tampa, a little bit up the road there in the AL East. Uh, Tampa is leading for the first wild card spot. And so your eyes turn to the Rangers and to Cleveland and, you know, to Oakland uh, and to the Angels. Right. Teams who, you know, right now you're going to need to beat out to secure your spot in October. Uh, and when you see the Red Sox lose the first two games uh, against the Rangers, uh, you know, particularly in the fashion that they lost a couple of those. Um, you know, you are discouraged for sure. Uh, they lost five out of six, had a slice of good fortune on Wednesday, uh, gave away a late lead in the eighth inning, walked it off in the ninth when Jesse Chavez couldn't throw a strike to Mookie Betts. Right. Uh, ended up salvaging that one four to yeah. three, and, a literal walk off. And you have a chance to to split the series tonight. You're sending David Price out there, who's throwing the ball very well. Yeah. Um, and as we said on last week's podcast, should be considered uh, for the All Star team this year. The the way that he's pitched. Um, but this this is a critical game, and, and you're earlier in the season than you would like to be playing critical games. I, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That's a, that, that that's a good way of putting it. Th- these games, uh, you know, we're uh, you know it's June 13th today, and you know these games are taking on a little bit more significance because you know they're sort of they're sort of on that on that balance beam, so to speak. I mean, you know, they have another tough week and you're really out of it for the division. And now you're really struggling to get into the wild card race. And if they uh, if they have a good week, then, you know, you feel a lot better about them and their, and their chances for a postseason berth, most likely as a wild card. But who knows? You know, if the Yankees drop a few more games, maybe you're you're back in the divisional race, too. Uh, so let's let's chat about this bullpen here, uh, mm-hmm. Bill. Um it uh, it didn't uh, lift the spirits of a lot of us when we saw uh, what we saw in recent days and and giving up uh, uh, another great outing by Chris Sale. Right. Uh, and then again last night they they blew the lead, but they were able to come back and and win the game. Uh, so is it time to hit the panic button? Do we do, do we think the Red Sox are going to go and get somebody? Is it is it uh, or are we just being overly cynical and every team has has uh, bullpen troubles and we're just focused on the Red Sox? All the above. <laughs> I think you could say all the above. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's probably fair. You, you look at you, know, you look at last year when Boston won 108 games and, and won the World Series, and all you heard all season with that team was the bullpen's going to sink them, the bullpen's yeah. going to ruin them. How could they not trade for somebody? How could they not upgrade? Uh, they're going to lose in October because these guys are going to blow it. Didn't happen. Um, you know, now mm-hmm. you've taken out Craig Kimbrell, obviously, who wasn't great in October, but was good during the regular season. Yeah. You've taken out Joe Kelly, who wasn't that great in the regular season, but was really good in October. And I think what you're looking at, and I think Kelly's a good example of this, actually, because he's been dreadful with the Dodgers so far. Bullpen arms, by their nature, are inconsistent, whether it's within a given season or season to season. Right. That's why they're bullpen arms. That's right. Yeah, no, the best pitchers usually are starting pitchers. If they right? were better, they'd be starters, right. to be fair. Yeah. Um, you know, so, with that in mind, you look at the Red Sox, and you know this was something I wrote for earlier this week. You've had guys out there who have been Jekyll and Hyde uh, just on their own, just within this season so right. far, in 70 games. Um, you're looking at stretches where they've pitched very well and some other stretches where they haven't pitched well at all. Um, you look at a guy like Matt Barnes, who a lot of people would say is probably the best arm in their bullpen right now, and I would agree with that. Uh, prior to May 19th, he had a 1.50 ERA. Going into his outing on Wednesday, 
since May 19th, he had a 9.82 ERA. Wow. Yeah, he's he, been two different guys. Yeah. And that's your best guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Ryan Brazier was 1.32 prior to May 2nd. He's had a 6 ERA since. He's on the bereavement list. Marcus Walden had a 1.37 ERA prior to May 19th. He was 5.59 cents. So you're looking at guys and you're thinking, those guys are all on the decline. Right, right now. Right. They're all struggling. Um, the only two guys on the other side of that, Heath Hembry started off, he was 5.56 yeah, through April a, 23rd. He's 0.52. Yeah, he's down to 2.51. He's been great. One. Yeah. Uh, and Brandon Workman, really, his only bad outing of the year came at Yankee Stadium on April 17th. He allowed three earned runs in that game. Since then, he's only given up three more earned runs. Yeah, in twenty two and a third inning. Yeah. Now I know what you're going to yeah. say. I don't. <laughs> he trust still him. makes me nervous. He still he makes walks me too nervous. many damn batters. Right? I understand that, but the numbers are what they are. Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's less about how you feel and more about how they. It's perform. all about how I feel, Bill. Uh, I understand that, <laughs> and and you and and many other folks in the media right. and most of the Red Sox fans share that sentiment. Sure, you know I don't feel mm-hmm. safe with him out there. I don't feel comfortable with him out there. Well, just take a look around the market and, and look at some of the bullpens out there. You know, Texas, if they were to fall out of this, would probably wind up being a seller. Yep. Sean Kelly would be a guy who they might be looking to move. We just saw him. We just saw him. What happened? Not good. Gave up the lead the <laughs> other good. night. It was good for the Red Sox. It was right. great for the Red Sox. Right. Gave up the lead the other night in the yeah. ninth inning. Uh, the Rangers nicked two runs off Matt Barnes. They go up 3-2. Yep. They bring in Kelly, and he gives it up. And, and honestly... Kelly was lucky because Raphael Devers hit a slider on 2-0, and about 600 feet yeah, foul. a little bit too far. Down the right field line. Right. That ball's fair. The Red Sox walk it off. Yeah. We're, we're having a very different discussion. Um, you know, someone like Kirby Yates might be out there if the Padres decide to sell. There's no guarantee that Kirby Yates, who started off 22 for 22 in, in save chances, is going to continue that. Um, you know, so just generally, bullpen arms are generally uncertain propositions. I still think the Red Sox will be in the market for one in July. I think they have a stretch here of about 12 or 13 games where they can get back on track. The schedule softens up a little. Mm-hmm. Aside from three at Minnesota, you've got three at Baltimore. Then you've got a homestand before London with Toronto and the White Sox coming in here. I think those 12 or 13 games are going to dictate what Dave Dombrowski does. Mm. If Boston shows some life and they get to five or six over 500, I think they're much more likely to add. Uh, if they don't, then you never know what's going to happen. I, now, I don't see Boston becoming a seller, no, I, that's, per that's, se. Yeah, I don't think that's that's the case either. But right? they I might think... be more likely to just play out the string. Yeah, which which would be painful. <laughs> would be painful to watch. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, a, a point, though, about, you know, and it's true, we, we were sort of bitching about the bullpen last season. Uh, obviously, it didn't really... Uh, hamper them in the long run. They won 108 games in the World Series, but the difference, I think, was that they had much more room for error last season because yes. you had batters who were having fantastic years, and you're just not getting the same kind of consistent production from the lineup. Uh, and you know, you're not getting as many three, four, five run leads. Correct. You know, uh, you're getting one, two run leads, and you know, I think that you know, last year, if you had a three-run lead and a guy came in and gave up one or two runs, you still won. Uh, it doesn't work that way. The math doesn't work that way when you only have a when you're only up by a run. So I think it's, uh, I think it's more glaring. And 
um, I think that's probably driving a lot of the angst. And certainly, I think that adding another arm. Now, of course, the question is who, but if right. you can find another arm, I think it'll help settle down that bullpen. I think maybe it'll help define some of the roles in that bullpen a little more. Well, and also, you look at their record right now, what are they? They're 35 and 34. Is uh, that correct? I believe that's correct. That's they, are, uh, they are 35 and 34, correct, yes. Okay. Last year, they started 81 and 34. <laughs> Right. They had, they had a lot more wins by the time they so, reached 30 fall losses. So they'd have to win how many games in a row <laughs> to get to that? I, so, I mean, it's, yeah, that's not going to happen. You know, we're in sports. We don't do math. Mm-hmm. But it's an absurd number. Right. Um, you know, so they were essentially in the playoffs last year by the All-Star break. Oh, and, gosh, And yes. they had essentially yes. won the division at the beginning of August when they swept the Yankees in that four-game series yeah. here at Fenway Park. They went up nine and a half games. The way they were going at that point, they were not going to give nine and a half games back. Um, you know, they, they were just a, a machine by that point, right. steamrolling over everyone. Uh, the only question was how it was going to work out in the playoffs because the previous two years it hadn't. Mm. Uh, right now, as you said, they don't have the same margin for error. So these things are getting magnified, uh, you know, and the, the clamoring, the need for a bullpen arm, whether it be perceived or, or real, uh, gets magnified yeah. by this point, yep. uh, much earlier than, than they would have planned. Um, you know, so I, I just think that they're going to try to figure out, sort out what they have right now, try to get some guys healthy. Uh, ideally, they get Nathan Evaldi back at, at some point here. Uh, his rehab has been shut down due to some biceps tendonitis, but if he's able to get back into the rotation at some point, that might help you set up your bullpen a little better. Uh, you've got a couple arms out there to be a little bit excited about, whether it be Mike Shawarin, who's shown a little bit here through three outings. Um, maybe you'll pop some guys into roles then and make a trade for someone else who can help you. Um, you know, But at this point, I, I, just, you know, I don't see them making some sort of reactionary move. I, I think they're waiting for the team to start clicking on all cylinders and then they'll decide whether or not they're short in mm. some area. If the offense starts hitting, if the starters go through the rotation two or three times and pitch well, and they still go eight and seven, then they might look and say, well, we need to do something mm. now. Uh, but I don't think that they feel like they've clicked on all cylinders so far, and I would agree with them. Yeah, no, I, they, I don't think they have either. Uh, the question is, how long do you wait for that, right? Right. Uh, so uh, as we look ahead here, they, they kind of have a window here. Uh, now they, they go to Baltimore this weekend. And then they they go up against uh, you know the second best team in the American League surprise surprise uh, in the uh, in the Minnesota Twins forty four and twenty one led by Rhode Island's own Rocco Baldelli doing a fine job in his debut as a major league manager. It's going to be nice to be out there and, and catch up with Rocco a little bit. Uh, you know, you guys going to go to the big mall and maybe have a meal at the at the food court or something? Potentially. Talk, talk about Hendrick and Days? <laughs> Potentially. I might do that. Uh, you know, I'll probably get Rocco at the ballpark in, in some way. But, uh, you know, I don't know Rocco all that well personally, mm. um, but you do tend to know someone by the way other people talk about them. Yeah, and Rocco has never gotten anything but glowing reviews from anyone around here, uh, anyone in baseball. But just his character, the way he treats people, um, his intelligence, uh, you know, his eagerness to learn, whether it be in the front office or, or on the field uh, or on field staffs. Right. Um, you know, so him doing what he's doing right now with the Twins, who have a very good lineup 
right. hitting the ball a ton, uh, getting great starting pitching from guys like Jake Odorizzi, who's having a career year. Um, a lot of things have fallen together for them in similar fashion to what happened for with the Red Sox last year, you're having some guys have career years, yeah. uh, and you've had a new manager come in who sort of freshened some things, maybe uh, brought a different philosophy on a couple things, maybe, and you know they're having very nice results right now. You also have a lot of other teams in your division that are just awful. That is, which which helps you obviously it helped the Red Sox a great deal last year with the Baltimore's and the Blue Jays uh, being what they were, and I mean this year if you look at the uh, AL Central, you know I mean Cleveland is is above 500, and then. Chicago, Detroit, and Woeful Kansas City are, are not, so that certainly helps. That's probably the worst division in baseball, yeah. if, if, for my money, anyway, uh, because the Royals are, are dead and, and trying to rebuild. The White Sox tried to go all in for Manny Machado to, to make a splash. They didn't get him. Yeah. Um, you know they've they've got some talent there. Eloy Jimenez is is a stud, uh, you know, yeah. and will be really good right. going forward. They're a couple of years away, but right. they don't have anything around them. Right. Uh, and Detroit is just floundering. Uh, you know, whether it be under a ton of dead money that they're paying out Jordan Zimmerman, uh, Miguel Cabrera is nowhere close to what he was, no. and he's on the hook there for a long time yeah. still. Yep. Um, you know, so they've got some bad contracts and, and really not much to be excited about. Uh, so, sure, Minnesota's taking advantage of those guys. That's fine. Boston did the same thing last year. Absolutely. And, and so did the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you're going to go out there and, and beat up on the bums of the league? Good. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota's done an excellent job so far to put themselves in the position that they're in. So after their uh, three-day visit with the Twins, uh, the Red Sox uh, look to have kind of a what you would hope to be a fairly easy road till the end of the month when they meet up with the Yankees out in London. But before that, if you look at the schedule, Bill, there should be some wins there, right? Should be. uh, At Baltimore, at Minnesota, Toronto home, the White Sox home. Yeah. Uh, Three of those series, you should win. On paper. Sure. You you should have them won already. They should be in your pocket. Um, Got to take two out of three at Baltimore at least. Got to take two out of three from Toronto and the White Sox right. at least. Right. Both those both of those are at home. Uh, then you go to London and play the Yankees. So you're looking at your next 13 games, one left with Texas, three left with Minnesota. Those are the only four out of those 13 that are against anyone who's going to contend mm. for mm-hmm. anything. Right. Um, so these will tell a lot about – where Boston is going uh, as they approach July, which is the month before the trade deadline, yeah. um, and, and where Boston can go, honestly. Um, can certain guys improve? We, we've seen Andrew Benintendi have a nice spike here uh, since moving down to the two-hole right. in the order. Is the batting order going to get going here a little bit? Uh, you know, Can J.D. Martinez be healthy enough to play you know, maybe 10 out of the next 12 days? And, and you know, can he find his swing a little bit? Um, you know, is Brock Holt going to continue to be a spark, whether it be at second base or in left field or, or wherever else? Can they get Mitch Moreland or Steve Pierce back? Um, if none of those things happen, then trying to trade for a bullpen piece or anything else is going to be useless. It, it seems pointless, right? Right. Um, you know, it is good to see uh, Ben Attendee back in the, the in the two hole, and you, you know, I mean, I understand what Alex uh, Cora was was doing with, by shifting the the uh, top of the line up there. But in the back of my mind, and you know, obviously hindsight's always twenty twenty. But the, in the back of my mind, I was always thinking to myself, why are you changing anything from last year? Yeah, you know. <laughs> 
bring the exact same team and put them in the exact same spot and see what happens. And, you know, who knows if, if you get the, the, the same results. But uh, I, I think that's true. I think you need to get uh, the lineup back to some level of consistency. Uh, and if you don't, then any, you know, trade for a bullpen arm really it kind of misses the point. Right. Exactly. Um, so, Bill, that is uh, that will wrap up this edition of the Twin Bills. Um in a week from now, uh, well, actually, no, it's, it's two weeks from now when the Red Sox will go to uh, London Correct. for the uh, two-game series with the uh, with the New York Yankees. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully, they are still in contention for uh, uh, certainly the wild card and maybe even a division. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but as we as we said, that they certainly have uh, a road ahead that makes that possible. Um, you're not going to London, are you, Bill? I'm not. Uh, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Um, you know, just in terms of the travel and the expense, obviously. Right. Um, <clears throat> spending what we would have had to spend for two games seemed a little much. It does seem weird that it's just two games. You know, why not go out there for for a full three game series and three or four games? Right. right. Um, you know, I I, I think. I think uh, you know that's a corporate decision as well. Yeah. I, I don't think that the Yankees or the Red Sox want to give up that many home games, right? In, in a foreign market, right? When it's a sort of a major league baseball initiative, uh, it's it's a little bit out of their hands. Yes, you know they like to grow the game and like to break into different markets, but the bottom line is you're taking home dates away from Yankee Stadium or Fenway Park. You know, and the other question I have about that is, um, you know, you're only there for two days. Now, I understand they build in a day off before and after. Right. Um, but, you know, London is known for sometimes having some rain. I wonder what happens if you get out there and it happens to be a washout weekend. You know, I mean, they're not playing in a dome. No, right? they're not. They're, <laughs> so, uh, they're playing in the Olympic Stadium. Uh, you know, obviously... Uh, with those with those off days around it that I'm sure they're trying to build in uh, a contingency plan. But, you know, two games out there, and if one of them gets washed out, it almost seems pointless. Well, they are playing on turf, not on grass. Yeah. So the field will be playable, right. most likely. Drains well. They get a little bit of rain. Uh, the summer tends to be a little drier season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you've got pretty good odds of getting those in. What I am interested to see honestly, is you know, the Red Sox have series at Toronto and then at Detroit coming off London. Coming back, yeah. There's going to be any lingering traveling effects. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, is it going to be one of those things where, because you should go to Toronto and Detroit and you should win the majority of those games. If you were in a normal schedule where you played the Yankees two or three times at home and then you went to Toronto and Detroit, would stand to reason that you would win those two series. Um, is this going to change things? Well, it's probably like playing out uh, you know, on the West Coast and then coming back for an East Coast game, right? Rel- relatively well, similar. We saw what happened to them on the West Coast. Well, they, so that's true. Year. It didn't help, well, right? It did but, not. <laughs> but uh, it's not like they're going to be on the plane for 12 hours either. No. You know, and, and I mean, you know, people will look and they'll say, you know, these guys travel on private jets in five-star fashion. Sure. All that is true. But baseball being a game of routine, being what it is, um, you know, you're changing body clocks over there. I think the, the second game in London will start at 10, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Um, you know, so that's a, a bit of a change yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, then you go to Toronto and you're playing on the turf, which not everyone likes. Right. Uh, you know, that was a little bit of a downfall for J.D. Martinez. And mm. you could speculate for Mitch Moreland yep. as well. Um, you know, so Boston's just got to get some. They, they've got to build some consistency. They've got to build some kind of rhythm. 
before they go over there and end up being disturbed. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think you'll take two games against the Yankees on a neutral field. It's way better than playing them at Yankee Stadium. That's true. Um, you know, you, I wonder you, what the crowd will be like. Are they going to be all Yankee fans? Is, is it going to be split? It's a good question. Yeah. If you're going to base the crowd, uh, if you're going to look at the crowds, and you might be able to base it on the NFL games that have been played mm, there, yeah. uh, there doesn't seem to be a particular allegiance to any team right it, it's sort it's of more of a fan of the game that, that's yes. there right you yeah. know you, you look at those football games and you see they do the the crowd shots and there's jerseys from you know, all the 25 teams. 30 right. teams yeah. and you're thinking don't they know that their team's not playing it's you know <laughs> these two other teams I, I always find that fascinating when i go to the ballpark and it's like red sox yankees and there's a guy in a giant's jersey Right, I'm like the Giants are well, playing. Well, they're, they're fans Why? of the game. You know, they're fans of the game. They want to go see that. a ball game and they want to represent. I, I, I get that. Uh, just wear so. a t-shirt. <laughs> go go to a store. Buy a Nike t-shirt. Don't you know? But anyway, that's it'll be an interesting stretch of the schedule coming up. Uh, you know, you you hope for a good road trip here, a good homestand following, uh, and then go to London and who knows. Well, with that, we will wrap it up. We send our best wishes to the recuperating David Ortiz. Yes. Uh, We'll see, uh, hopefully, where he is in a week when we do this again. Bill, thank you. Thanks, Bill.